Peace and love, family. I am your host, Elm Seen, and this is the John Muhammad Podcast Show. And today, my guest is a brother out of Detroit, Michigan, but now lives in Houston, Texas. Really around these parts, he don't need much of an introduction, because if you know hip-hop, you know he's been a part of hip-hop since he was a teenager. He's worked with cats like Ghostface, and he's been mentored by Chuck D, and he's been on Public Enemy Tours. He's put in the work. So the first time he came on to John Muhammad, we scratched the surface. This time we're going to take it a little bit deeper. So without further ado, all my fans and followers, show love. We got Peace, Ad-Live peace, John. In the building. I really, I really appreciate you for having me on the show, man. This is our uh, second time around on this level. But we've also worked on the music level for years. I remember the first time you and I, uh, I was just remembering the first time we uh, connected was in Austin, Texas. We was doing uh, South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was out there, you know, and I was, you know, I'm, I wasn't familiar with South by Southwest. And, uh, you know, once I moved out there to Houston and I was doing my music thing, of course, I became familiar with it. But you guys out there and you, you had a, a set. And, you know, you guys was like, yo, and live, come on and let's let's jump on. Let's come in, rock in with us. And you had, you know, and then we was all able to right. build, man. I got all, I still got a lot of those pictures with us and Cappadonna. And we did little interviews and everything. So it was just a dope energy, man. Yeah, I remember that time, man. Yeah, we was just running around, hitting every show. You had a few shows. You was like, come on up on stage. And we go up there and do our thing, Yeah, man. it was. So, yeah, we've been rocking for a while, bro. It, we have, man. So I, you know, I look forward to, to doing some uh, future things with you. But you know, no, man, I, I, I'm, I'm back on your show. Uh, I'm feeling good. It's a new year. A lot of things have changed in my life and have, uh, uh, you know, uh, just different energies now surround me in a different uh spaces of. Uh, uh, people I'm dealing with are different and, you know, so life moves on as I'm saying. So I'm, I'm here, uh, on your show to just kind of just speak how you want me to talk to you, baby. You know, it's all good. I appreciate you. Got you. <laughs> got you. Got you. Um, okay. I remember back when we did the first interview, I remember there was a time I th- it had to have been around when you was in college. You was playing ball. Okay. I remember seeing some footage of you playing ball. And I was like, okay, you was a you for real, for real, for real baller. Yeah. You was really trying to go after it. There was that point in time where you was balling, you still doing music, and then somehow you caught a case. Oh, okay. Tell us about that era, that time. <laughs> wow. Now you 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 must have been doing some research. They kind of caught me off the of left field with that one. Uh no nah, man, but mm-hmm. it, what happened was, is uh, I was about uh, 20 years old. You know, I went to college a year late. And uh, what I say, you know, I, I guess my graduating class was 1989. So, you know, uh, at that point, you know, I was uh, trying to find my way in life. I was doing this music and, you know, music wasn't lucrative. I wasn't making money and I was going to college and it's not like I had a you know, parents in my life who were able to support me in the college atmosphere and send me money. So, you know, um, you know, I, I, unfortunately, I got caught up with some things that uh, 
with another player at uh, MSU basketball. So I, as I was telling you before, I you know, went to Dakota State University in 89. And then uh, from Dakota State, I transferred up into Lansing. And my my plan was to try to walk on to Michigan State. That was my dream. But I, so I had to start at the community college. So, you know, one of my friends, uh, uh, my boy Paris Hickman, uh, he played on the Michigan State basketball team. So this is at the time when Steve Smith is on the team and, you know, you had Mark Montgomery and Matt Steginger. So I would have to say this is uh, 1991. And, uh, I, uh, you know, one day after he came home, they won the Sweet 16. Um, I had my, my man, me and my boy uh, Paris had met up and Paris was like, yo, yo, aunt, um, I want you to, uh, you know, he's like, yo, you want to make some money? And I was like, hell yeah, I want to make some money. So, you know, we was, uh, he was, I, I really, I really didn't, you know, to, and, I, and I'm like, I'm giving you the real, the story of what's going on through my head and how I'm thinking. I mean, nobody's really ever asked me that question before. So, you know, I'm trying to articulate it and, and really be honest in answering it. So, it was uh it was in the winter, like I said, after the Sweet Sixteen, and I, I was uh I met I ha we happened to see each other. We was friends, and uh, you know he was like, "Yo, Aunt, you want to make some money?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, Pete, I want to make some money." He was like, "What I need you to do is you I need you to pass this bag off to this guy for me at uh, Acres Dorm." So I didn't ask no questions or anything like that. I just wanted to make my my money. I didn't know what was in the bag, but you know, um, I knew what was in the bag. It just was none of my business to ask if you kind of get me. You know what I'm saying? So I wasn't, uh, I didn't really give a shit. I just wanted to make the money. So I remember uh, the next day, uh, after he told me what he wanted me to do one day, uh, the next day we was setting off to do it. So what was happening is Paris's man, Maurice Pointer, was a, a big dope dealer in Michigan. Uh, he was from, I, I want to say Maurice Pointer's from Grand Rapids. Uh, he might be, he was he was through Grand Rapids. So he, he no, he, he's from Detroit, but I know he was doing all kinds of business throughout Michigan, you know? So he was that guy. So he was Paris's best friend. So I guess they had from the trial uh, and from from what Paris told me, he's, you know, he was Paris was my, you know, he was my friend. We we was tight in a sense at that point. You know, we was bonding and we was getting to know each other. So it was just like I was more, I was more green. I was more, uh, mm -hmm. I, I liked him as a person. He, uh, he, you know, we was cool friends. He was a basketball star. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I was impressionable at that point in time. Uh, you know, so, you know, I wanted to be down if you kind of get me, I wanted to be, uh, with the big dogs, but I was really a small dog. I wasn't on that level. So, you know, uh, me wanting to have a friend and, and, and my friend is on the basketball team, you know, I was, I was ready to go. And that's how me and Paris was. Paris just kind of just kind of embraced me 
It was like, yo, Ant, you my man. And when Paris is like, yo, you my man, he really, really mean that from the heart. You know what I'm saying? And Paris is a stone-cold gangster, but he was playing on the Michigan State basketball team. So anyway, that next day, we set out to do the deal. So I went to Acres, Acres dorm with the bag. And this is before we had cell phones. Because again, this is like 1991. So we had beepers, but I don't think me and Paris had a beeper at that point. We might have because we had to contact each other. So I remember, you know, Paris was like, yo, he picked me up, get me back. Picked me up, took me to Acres dorm. Our apartment, because we stayed in the same apartment complex, was not too far from Acres. So I went to Acres. Him and his man went to go do the deal with the guy at uh, Wendy's, I think. And once they did the deal, uh, the guy that he was a he was an informant, he was a snitch. Uh, once they did the deal, the guy was going to come meet me to pick up the bag and take the bag away from me, right? So I'm waiting at the dorm and I'm waiting on a call. I'm waiting for the guy to pull up here and say, yo, he gonna be here such and such time. I don't remember, but the guy, after they exchange the money and work out the deal, then the guy gonna come and I'm gonna make that pass off, right? Boom. So as I'm waiting, the guy never comes. So I, I think... And I'm, I'm just trying to think back. There's so many details to it. But somehow uh, I contact Paris. I, I page him. And I'm like, yo, my man. And we and I, and I call him within Acres dorm because I had a friend up in there. Her name was Robin Turner. And she was uh, she was uh, uh, my friend who I was chilling room at while we was doing the deal. So I end up calling Paris. And I'm like, Paris, my man ain't come pick up the bag. So he called me back and I, and we have this conversation. It was a brief conversation. I said, man, I'm out of here. I don't know how I called him though. I can't remember because I know there was no cell phone. But back then there was phones in all of the dorm vestibules and where people sit and everything in Acres. So I, I'm thinking we that's how I contacted him because I didn't want to just leave, you know, with the bag and be responsible for that. I wanted the nigga to know what I was doing. So I end up letting him know I'm going to my girl's room. She's on the first floor of the dorm that we're doing the deal with. So imagine this is the outside. We outside and you go back in the dorm and she's on the first floor. You know, you got the right left dorm and you got the right dorm. You feel what I'm saying? So I know she's on this side of the dorm. So I, I, I'm, she's like maybe four dorm rooms down. Acres is a real big dorm room. So at that point, you know, I go from the dorm, I, 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 I leave from the vestibule while I'm waiting to pass the bag off and I go to the dorm room, I wait for her. So I wait for Paris to, to get to get another word. Well, I don't ever get another word from Paris. So I think at this time it's about 3.30, 4 o'clock. I know that because Rap City is on a BET. Okay, it's 1981. Okay. So, so Rap City's on, I'm watching. And again, she's on the first floor, so I can see everything outside her window of what's pulling up, cars pulling up, or what's going on in the first floor, you feel me? So at this point in time, I'm seeing all of this. I'm just chilling. I'm a little bit nervous, but I ain't really tripping because the last thing you think is the police is getting involved in anything like this. You know, I don't know that my man has been caught already and handcuffed by the police. 
You follow what I'm saying? I don't know that Paris, but by Paris is, I'm waiting in this dorm room for my man to come pick me up with this bag. And this, he don't come. So at that point in time, right, I look out the window of the dorm room. Man, you're getting some exclusive shit here, but like I said, this might be therapy for me too, because I never, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I never really gave the details. I might have told some people the story, like my kids or my fa- you know, my family know the story, but I ain't really ever told anybody the details of my life and what was going on in my head. Because again, I'm no, I'm from the hood, I'm from the streets, but I'm no street nigga. You feel me? And as I told you at the beginning of this story, I'm, I'm green. I just wanted to be down. I wanted to be involved. And Paris was the big wig basketball star. And I was the guy trying to be with the big wig basketball star who was showing me mad love. So she never goes back to the story. At about four o'clock, I'm going to just give you some timeline. I remember Rap City in the basement coming on. So I know it didn't come on at 3.30. It had to come on about four. So maybe at about four, ten. I look out the window because I'm, I'm my nerves. Nobody's contacting me. I ain't got no beat from Paris or anything. So I look out the window and I see a few campus cop cars coming, pulling up in the vestibule. But they pull up and they go around and they pull up and they go around. Right. Man, it's no big deal because nothing but co- campus cop cars are all around Michigan State anyway. So I go sit back down in my chair and I watch another video uh, on Rap City. Then I get up again and I go to the door. The next thing you know, I see about 20 fucking cop cars, DEA cars, the campus police cars all submerging on the campus. I ain't watching the news. We don't got cell phones. Ain't no social media. I don't know that my man Paris has been caught and and he told them, my man Anthony is at the dorm. He knew it was fake. Right. You follow what I'm saying? He knew what we had, what I had in the bag was fake. I, obviously, he did not tell them, but they overheard the snitches. The snitch say the guy is at the dorm. Only the snitch knew I was at the dorm because Paris and them told him that's where you got to go get at. So when they take Paris and lock Paris and them, the snitch says, yo, he's the guy's at the dorm. So when I go out the window, I see all of these cars submerged. Maybe it's about 420. I'm just maybe I might be off 20 or 30 minutes. I have it if Rap City turned started at 430. But let's just say 420. I look out there, they submerging. So I, I don't know, man. My hood senses just kicked in. Like I said, majority of my life growing up, uh, I lived in the in real, real uh, hood, hood of the Third Street in in uh, Philadelphia, and uh, I didn't partake as much. You know, I, I tried to hustle when I was young, but it wasn't my thing. You know, when I was in my teens, you know what I'm saying. And uh, I I remember I'm just I'm just jump back to that story. I remember I tried to hustle one day with the local dope dealer Tone, and. Uh, Daryl and I remember uh, I was in the spot. I made my little twenty dollars, and his little girlfriend was smoking crack. And she said I stole the money. And the nigga came back and got the twenty dollars that I made that day in the spot. I was like, "Fuck this! This right. is not for me." Right. So I worked about three, four hours in the spot right. for twenty dollars, and the nigga even came back and took the twenty dollars because she was smoking his crack. 
So I was like, that life for me wasn't for me. So I've just always been a music and a basketball player. And my friends was the thug niggas and, and, and the hard guys. I wasn't no punk. I never had to get into the fights to, to, to show my heart because I was focused on what I was doing. So niggas didn't try me. You know what I'm saying? You know, I was like, oh, you know, my oldest thing was like, don't think I'm a punk because I'm light skinned. And they didn't. You know what I'm saying? But by speaking proper, I always brought that energy to me at times. But I always knew how to diffuse it and how to work around it. So now we back on this story. So now I'm just giving you the feel of who Anthony Singleton is and why I'm in this point from in 1991 right now. So again, as I tell you, the police pull up to the door and everything, boom, boom, boom. I, uh, I, I just think quickly. Acres is a big, long, yeah, width, far as in width from in, in length. So I'm on the right side. I think they'll call it the right side. So on the right side, you know, there's exits at every end of the hallway, exit doors, right? So if I run right out of her dorm room and go to the left, because I'd have been going to the left, the exit door is right there. Mm -hmm. Same thing if I was on the other side, I could have ran out the exit door. But I don't know, man. God was with me, bro. God was, it was the most incredible thing in the world. God was with me because... How you got all of these DEA agents, police cars, the police, and you ain't guarding the side door? Do you know what I'm saying? They all submerging like they all coming to the front. But you would have thought some of them motherfuckers would have went to the side. Let's go around and back or whatever. But nobody did. So as crazy as and as easy as it sounds, I, I walked out of her dorm room and went right out the side door. But the crazy thing, I had, a, I had a pistol on me and I had the bag. So I left the bag in her room, right? <laughs> I ended up leaving the bag in her room. Boom, got up out of there. Uh, I was on the run, right? I was on the run for, let me just tell you how crazy I am and how motivated I am. I was on the run, so March, that was March Madness. So I was on the run for March to August is when they caught me. Uh, they didn't. They didn't know who I was. They was just like, "Yo, it's some guy, the light skinned guy with the with the brown eyes," and they took off with the Gucci bag. It was, you know, so that's it was a description. And then they it was a while before they even got my last name because Paris didn't know my last name. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So it was it was it was crazy. So from that man, um, I end up being caught in in December. Now did. When I left that situation on the run in March, remember, this is the feds. They chased me. I ran back to Detroit and enrolled in college and started playing college basketball for, <laughs> for another school. So in my mind, I had moved on. This shit was past me. So after I signed the scholarship and I get into college, um, here it comes. The feds is on me. They, you know, they, they, they raid my house in uh and, 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 and what was it in August? They raid my home. Uh, and this is, this is the crazy story about the raid. So they, so I lived with my grandmother on Philadelphia, but my aunt lived around the block on Euclid. Right. So at this point, when I come home from college, I'm making music and shit. 
So my aunt's house around the block is more conducive for me. So I ain't really living with my grandmother at this point in time, right? So I just remember one morning uh, in August, uh, my aunt, it's about six o'clock in the morning, my aunt comes into the to my bedroom, busts in my room, Tony, 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 get up, get out the house, get out the house. I'm like, what? She said, the police are raiding the house. The police are raiding the house. Now, the crazy thing is my aunt did not tell me they're raiding my grandmother's house around the block. She just said they're raiding the house. So the um, the first thing I do, where you gonna run to? I'm gonna run to my grandmother's house, bro. So my aunt's back door goes to the alley and then I can, it's a big vacant lot. So I cross into the next block to my grandmother's house. And by the, when I get in the street, Guess who's, it's about 20 cop cars in front of my grandmother's house. I'm at the end of the other block though. I mean, I'm at the end of the block. This is, I'm on my block, but I'm at the end of the block. I'm in boxer shorts and socks and no shirt, okay? I run, I'm doing 90 to run to my block. I run and, and get to the street and the police are at my house. I'm like, what the fuck? So I go back towards my aunt's house and I got another aunt who lived in the, who lived across the street. So I run into her house, you know, cause we, my family, we all live together. You know what I'm saying? My grandma and grandfather had all of these 15 kids. So they all live, we all lived in the same area. So my grandmother's on Philadelphia. My aunt was on Euclid on this house, on this side of the block. And my other aunt Vicky was on the, on the same block across the street. So I end up running the house. I get caught. Uh, my uncle is a police officer, so I get a, uh, I get what you call a, um, a personal bond, because uh, my they wanted to give me a real high bond because I was the important witness, right? I was the guy who was going to take Paris Hickman and Maurice Pointer down. They were going to use that. They were going. That's what they they thought they could get with me. So, um. Uh, so I go to, uh, I turn myself in, they don't catch me. So my uncle's a cop. So he turns me into the feds. So they, you know, they go, I, I go down downtown to the federal building, you know, they, you know, take pictures, do all of that, book me, but they don't, they don't lock me up for no more than an hour. Right. You know, it's just like booking. I go straight into the court, personal bond. Boom. So I get to go home. So my attorney was Jeffrey, uh, uh, damn, he was our, uh, he's our attorney general of Michigan at one, Jeff Collins, Jeff Collins, Jeffrey Collins is, uh, he, he's been our attorney uh, general in, 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 in Michigan uh, for many years. I don't think he is right now, but he, he was, but he happened to be my, 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 my lawyer. Uh, Paris had, his lawyer was Steve Fishman. And uh, we ended up going to the trial. So it was crazy, man. You know, they was trying to get us cop us to, they was trying to get us to cop police. The thing was, is we had fake dope, okay. but they couldn't prove it, but it's federal. So all the thing is, is we don't have to see dope in a federal, in the federal court. We don't even have to see that your hands touch the dope in the federal court. Not all of that shit is irrelevant. What's relevant is a conspiracy. So we caught a conspiracy 
case. Everything was conspired. The three trials conspired to sell two kilos of cocaine, conspired to sell da 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 da. I know I had three different charges. So I remember uh, the the my 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 attorney, the 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 what was it, the federal attorney, uh, uh, um, Robbins. It was a white guy. Federal Attorney Robbins or something like that. I was 21 years old. I'm 52 right now, so you can you imagine? But something he was Redford, Red Redford, Attorney Redford. He was the district. He was the uh, prosecuting attorney for the DEA, and my attorney was like, like I told you, Jeff Collins, and we had Steve Fishman. So uh, he met with me and my attorney one day, and he was like, "Yo, I just want I want to know the story." Now I'm like, "Dude, me and my man met." <laughs> The idea was to rob, not rob, but to, to obviously to con the guys. I said, how are you going to have a six foot eight basketball player selling two kilos of cocaine on at Wendy's on Michigan State campus and think he's not and, and, and think he's Nino fucking Brown? Because, you know, Paris, they got everything recorded. So when Paris was in the car doing the dope deal with the guy, he had uh, New Jack City had just came out. So he had New Jack City cassette tape playing in the background with Nino Brown and shit. It was very funny. You can read the transcripts. You're right there in Grand Rapids where the federal court is that we went there, bro. Because you know why? I drove to federal court every fucking day from for two weeks back and forth to Detroit. Paris got a hotel and he's up there with a hotel. I had to drive from Detroit to Grand Rapids every fucking day. You should go get the paperwork and read the transcripts. But the the, the dopest thing was is, so they was like, yo, man, if you... Mm. Lost him, but uh, see if we can get him back. Yo. It, hey. It, it put you up out of there? Yeah, I just got, I don't know, for some reason it just locked me out. Oh, okay. Well, it's cool, man. We got a whole lot. We, I'll get ready to wind it down anyway, so it's all okay. good. It's all good, man. I appreciate your honesty, brother. Yeah, we... Oh, man, I appreciate you having me. Yeah. Thank you, man. We'll make it work, man. And, uh, yeah, I'll let you know. I'm going to talk to my man tonight, and then we'll. I'll let you know for sure what's up. All right, yeah, and then maybe I can kind of, on the next one, whatever, I can about the new stuff I got coming. So whenever. Got you. Got you. We'll get you back on real quick, bro. Okay. Appreciate you, bro. Appreciate Thanks. you. Thanks a lot, man. Peace. Peace.